but we're going to send it down to Dallas, Texas. If you've been hiding under a rock, mm. then you must have missed out on all the big news. That is not official yet. I understand that. <laughs> I saw already some DMs. Not actually official. It's cool. It's it's going. I do believe it's going to happen, so we get to talk about it in the ides of that it's happening. But Kyrie Irving uh, headed to the Dallas Mavericks. That is as blockbuster as you can get. I was sitting here Friday before the show uh, saying, no, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. And, and here we are. So now let's go and talk with Josh Bowe. He is a writer for Mavs Moneyball with SB Nation. Uh, Josh, thanks so much for jumping on with us. Thank you so much. And if I could offer some breaking news, the trade actually is official. I uh, just came across my inbox. The, the Mavericks have officially announced it. So have the Nets. So the deal is done. You've heard it here on the afternoon stretch. Yeah, you heard it here first. Not Mavs money. You heard it here. Thank you, Josh. Uh, you're, we'll, we'll send you your uh, your 1099 soon enough. Uh, Thank you so much. So first things first, what was your thought when this came across and you saw this? What did you think about that trade? just kind of a, a deep sigh. Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, it was, uh, it was kind of weird because when the Mavericks were first announced as rumored, like, you know, one of the teams in the running along with the Lakers and the Suns and, you know, the Clippers were rumored as well. When I started looking at it and looking at what the Nets were and where the Mavericks were, I was just kind of like, man, I think the Mavericks are going to, they're going to be the team that, that, that pulls this off because looking at the Nets, they are, fourth in the Eastern Conference. They still have Kevin Durant. I was like, why Why would they want Russell Westbrook, who would make their team worse? Like, why do they necessarily just want cap space and draft picks when they still want to win with Kevin Durant? And I was like, you know, if the Mavericks want to make a deal, they could give them players that would, you know, still keep them competitive with Durant. And the more I thought about it, the more I was like, man, if the Mavericks really want this, it's going to happen. And, and lo and behold, it happened. And it's very complicated, you know, for the Maverick side of it. It's probably the riskiest move in franchise history when you consider the stakes and you consider that Kyrie Irving, despite being one of the most talented players in the NBA, is maybe one of the most unreliable stars that the league has seen in the last 10 or 15 years. Um, I mean, this is a guy that when he's on the floor, he's incredible, but he's not on the floor a lot. And there's a bunch of reasons why he's not on the floor. Mm -hmm. And that's just kind of like the layers you have to peel back and get into, and that's what makes this trade so risky for the Mavericks. It, I was saying earlier, you know, Jr. of of course wrestling. He, he always he had a quote: Man, <laughs> "Business is about to pick up." It it yeah. seems like it's about to pick up in a big way for you, but I mean, just the Dallas area having somebody like that, it almost feels kind of like anti what the Mavericks have been for so long of not bringing in those big names. Do you think this is just a shift of of ide ideology for the Mavs, or is this something that maybe you've been seeing a trend of, of coming towards this or is just them coming to the realization that you have to bring in the big names to get into that running? I don't know if it's a shift. I think they've always wanted to bring in the big names. The problem is they've just never been able to close the deal um, since – 2011, when they won the championship, Mark Cuban's initiative has been let's clear cap space and try to sign a, a superstar in free agency. And let's, uh, you know, put a superstar next to Dirk in his twilight years. And that didn't work. And now they cleared cap space uh, in 2019 and they tried to sign uh, Kemba Walker. That didn't work. So they've been trying. Uh, they just haven't been able to do it. And I think the reason why it got done in this instance is 
basically, I think the the Mavericks have reached a, a point uh, of desperation, and you know Luka Doncic is no longer on his rookie contract; he's on his second contract, which means the clock is ticking in terms of if you've been following the NBA for the last ten years, you know that these superstars have the ability to throw leverage around and either demand a trade or use their pending free agency to get where they want to go. And the Mavericks in the first year of Luca's big super max extension, you know, they're 28 and 26 right now. This is the worst record they've had this deep into the season uh, since Luca's rookie year, you know, the last every single season, they have kind of gotten better than the previous season from Luca's rookie year to, to year two to year three, to year four, you know, they've been kind of slowly progressing and that culminated with the Western Conference finals trip. And now they've taken a major, like a pretty major step back. They lost Jalen Brunson. The cupboard is bare. You know, the Kristaps Porzingis trade didn't work despite Spencer Dinwiddie turning out to be a better player than I think most had anticipated. And I think they just were kind of looking at themselves and I I think they were feeling, feeling the pressure. You know, you can't win in the NBA without having, you know, star talent. And Luka was their only star talent. And I think that kind of forced them to push their chips in for this type of deal. Talking with Josh Bow, you can follow him on Twitter at Bowman55. He's a writer for Mavs Moneyball with SB Nation. Bruno Reagan, what do you got for Josh? Well, frankly, Josh, I want your opinion. How much better do you think this makes the Mavs? Is this the next jump that takes them from, you know, what you're talking about, maybe a place where since Luca's first year with the Mavs that they're, you know, they're not as successful? Does this bring them back up to that competitive stance? Or, you know, how do you think it fits? I think the the crazy thing about this is once you kind of peel back the off-court issues and what Kyrie's done and suspensions and injuries and missing games, the on-court fit actually is, is kind of brilliant. I mean, these are – you think about who Kyrie has played with in his career. He's played with LeBron James. He's played with Kevin Durant. He's played with those high-usage superstars before and has been a really productive player, again, qualifier, when he plays. <laughs> so their skill set with Luka Doncic they, and, and Kyrie, those should mesh really well. And the Mavericks love uh, – you know, with Luka, he loves to pick out isolations, try to find the weakest defender on the floor and attack. That's kind of the Mavericks – offensive scheme and Kyrie is one of the best isolation scorers in basketball this season he's basically if you look at some of the data he he is the best this season and that's going to fit right into what Jason Kidd and the Mavericks offense likes to run um and you think about their 0-7 in games Luka hasn't suited up in this season that's obviously probably going to change I think when Luka is off the floor their offense uh would rank as the worst in the NBA when Luka's not playing again Kyrie that's going to help there so I don't think it solves all their problems. You know, they are still in the lower uh, half of the league or lower third of the league in terms of, of defense and their ranking defensively. So they're going to need to regroup and and try to find a way to to replace a player like Dorian Finney-Smith in another way. And they're going to need to get some defenders in here. Uh, but in terms for this season, with the West being so wide open, if Kyrie plays and he stays healthy and he and he and he stays on the floor. I think they're a better team than they were, you know, a couple days ago, uh, but they still have a lot of work to do in terms of, I think, reaching where they want this roster to end up at. I'm glad you mentioned it because I want you to expound on it. What is Dallas giving up for this trade and kind of expand on that from, you know, more a more centralized point? Because you're obviously not getting Kyrie Irving for free. They're giving up. They're giving up capital. They're giving up players. What do the Mavericks lose to gain this talent? Yeah, so they're giving up Spencer Dinwiddie, who's been their second best offensive player next to Luka. 
He's had a really nice resurgence since coming to Dallas. I mean, his three-point shooting has been crazy. He's been one of the best corner three-point shooters in the league. He's shooting over 40%. And this is a guy that for his career was like below 35, like in the low 30s from three. So a crazy turnaround. Uh, I think that's what helped probably juice this trade a little bit because if he wasn't able to turn around what he was doing when he was in Washington last year, I don't know if the Mavericks have the ammo to get this done. So they're trading Spencer Dinwiddie and, you know, upgrading with Kyrie, kind of sliding into that second guard spot next to Luka. Also trading Dorian Finney-Smith, the Mavericks kind of defensive rock, uh, the locker room rock of the team in a way. He was an undrafted guy uh, in 2016, and he worked his way into one of the more quality role players uh, in the NBA. Widely respected, you know, defensive wing player that can knock down open three-pointers, can rebound a little bit, and had some toughness to him. And you think like every contender could use a player like him, and I think that's also why the deal got done because you know that's a type of role player you need to surround like a Kevin Durant, like your star. You need someone that's going to do the dirty work and hit open shots uh, when your star gets double teamed. And Dorian Finney-Smith has proven that over the last three or so years. And he's on a really team-friendly contract as well. Um, he does not make that much money compared to the production he gives you. So uh, in addition to that, two second-round picks and then one first-round pick in 2029. Uh, the 2029 is important because that means the Mavericks can – potentially trade some additional picks before then, you know, in 2025 or 2024 or 2027, wherever they decide to do. So they did pay a pretty steep cost. You know, they traded two starters for one starter and this Mavericks team already uh, has a little bit of a talent deficit in terms of depth. So they're going to need to plug in some guys and find a way to get through the rest of the season if they don't make any deals. Uh, but they still, since they only traded one pick and it's a few, you know, pretty distant pick, it's six years away before they convey it, they still have some flexibility if they want to make some moves. So uh, definitely wasn't cheap, um, but uh, I think the Mavericks found it was uh, it was the right move for them. Talking with Josh Bowie, you can follow him on Twitter at Bowman55, host of the Mavs Moneyball podcast. So th- this, this whole situation with Kyrie Irving has taken so many different twists and turns, uh, especially ever since he left out of Cleveland goes off to Boston, wants to be the guy because he was tired of living under LeBron's shadow, then goes over to the Nets, has to deal. seems like he's been wrestling with a lot of different things of of, of dealing with having a need that he, he, he hates. To, I feel like he's had to realize he is that second fiddle piece, which isn't a bad thing to say, but the NBA is full of role players. Do you feel like him coming in, with Luca, is he is he okay? You think to be that second piece because he's gonna have to be. Man, it feels <laughs> trying to get inside Kyrie's head feels like uh, an impossible, an impossible task to try to figure out what that guy's thinking. Um, you know, you are right. You know, he has played with LeBron, and you think, okay, well, that's why it can work. And it's like, well, wait a minute, he left LeBron. Like he wanted to get out of there. So, you know, what does he really want? I think right now in the short term, I think he wants that next big contract. He will be a free agent this summer. He's going to be 31, I believe, by the end of the season. So you think about his injury history and his age. This is probably going to be his last opportunity to get another big, you know, multi-year contract. He wants that four-year max deal. So I think, you know, you think about what he's done the last 20 or so games. He's kind of been on good behavior for the most part, and he's played. Like, he's been on the floor. Uh, he hasn't missed a lot of games due to injury. You know, he, the most games he's missed has been because of the suspension for, you know, for the remarks he made uh, and the and the, con- the rhetoric he shared. So 
he's actually in the in the middle of one of his best seasons in years. Uh, so I, I have a feeling that he's going to want to keep that going because he's going to want to secure that big long-term contract. And the only way he can do that is if he finishes the season strong. So I have to imagine that's where his head's at. But man, once once you put ink to paper uh, on that multi-year contract, uh, who knows what's going to happen? Uh, he could he could decide a month after signing it that he wants to retire. He could decide he wants to be on another team. He could decide a bunch of things because we've seen he's one of the most erratic personalities uh, in the NBA. So future, I don't know what he wants, but I think for the next couple of months, I think he's going to want to stay on the court, play well, and secure uh, one more big contract. All right, and I, you know, with this team built up, I, it's kind of a two-part question I have here, and it'll be your last one here, Josh. And I, I appreciate <laughs> coming on, but the this team, like you were kind of talking about earlier, trading that twenty twenty-nine first-round pick, you said they could still move some other picks here. February 9th, obviously the trade deadline. Do you see this team moving any more pieces to try to bring in for a push? And if not, do you think the team as it is? Could they compete with a team out of the East to actually win a finals or let alone just get to the finals through the West right now? Yeah. So I think they're still working the phones. Um, I think now that they've made this move, they've kind of pushed their chips all in, you know, before they made this move, the, the vibe was that, that they were going to be a little bit patient and wait for that big move while well, they made the big. Move. So now there's, you know, what are they waiting for? Kyrie's going to turn 31 soon. You know, you've got Luca playing like an MVP why not go all, you know, go all in as you can. So, you know, they've got two bad contracts uh, in Tim Hardaway Jr. and Davis Bertans. I'm going to think they're going to try to find a way to see if they can shed those contracts. You have got Christian Wood on an expiring contract who's been pretty good for them, but, you know, he's kind of got his issues as well. Maverick's trying to offer him a shorter extension. He wants a bigger deal. They might try to move him so that they don't lose him in the summer for nothing if he decides he wants to go to another team for a bigger contract that the Mavericks might be comfortable in offering. You know, they might look around and try to see what they can find to replace the defense of Dorian Finney-Smith. You know, there's been rumors the Utah Jazz are offering Jared Vanderbilt or trying to trade him, who's a really intriguing young defensive forward who I think would slide right in uh, into the, the hole the Mavericks have at the wing. And maybe the Mavericks can work something there. You know, there are actually some some rumors in here say that the Mavericks were going to trade Dorian Finney-Smith to the Jazz for uh, for a pick and and Jared Vanderbilt. So, might be something there. Uh, in terms of other names, I'm not too you know too sure, but I think they're definitely going to try to make another move because I think they understand the opportunity they have, and they don't have the guarantee that Kyrie's going to be here after the season ends. So. If he's going to be a rental, you gotta you gotta do what you can to make this season uh, the best it can be. In terms of you know, can they even if they stand pat? I don't know if they can win a title. I feel like those Eastern Conference teams are really good at the top, the Celtics and the Bucks. In terms of getting to the finals, oddly enough, despite the fact that the Mavericks are only two games over five hundred and they're in six, I'm not too scared of the the Western Conference. If I'm a Mavericks fan, you know, Memphis is the two seed, Denver's the one seed. Luca, you know, I looked this up. Luca has an eight and three record in his career against the Memphis Grizzlies. He's eight and six in his career against the Nuggets. So the Mavericks have actually played those teams pretty well, despite you know their roster limitations over the last couple of years. So Luca's so good, he's going to be you know outside of maybe playing against Nikola Jokic, Denver, he's going to be the best player on the floor in whatever playoff series he's in. So that always means you have a chance. So I wouldn't say it's likely, but with Luka Doncic, I wouldn't put anything past him. 
Well, when we get to that point, Josh, we're going to get you back in here, especially for the playoffs, talking more Mavs. Editor, writer for Mavs Moneyball with SB Nation, also host of the Mavs Moneyball podcast. Follow him on Twitter, at Bowman55. Josh Bow, thank you so much, buddy, for jumping on. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. You'll have a good one. Absolutely. Good stuff there from Josh. Yeah, Mavs, I mean, 